tired of the everyday grind. Want to get away from it all. Descent into paradise. Florida. Greetings, everybody, from sunny Florida. Here's wishing you the best of everything. And it's my personal belief that the best of everything comes from right down here. everybody, it's Steph from JustTodayInParadise.com, and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Just a Podcast in Paradise. Me and the Dip Crew love living in the Sunshine State, and it's our goal to help you plan for your very own day in paradise. Follow along as we explore the Keys, theme parks, springs, and everything in between. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so we can notify you when our new episodes are live. As you know, we're always going to have a drink for you, and today we're blending the future, the past, and the rum to make you a rum old-fashioned. Be sure to check out our Patreon for digital downloads of this and every other night's recipe. We're ready if you are, so kick up your feet, throw on your shades, maybe roll a cigar, and let's take a trip to paradise. Hello. Hello. Hey. Welcome. To Paradise. Paradise? Yes. By way of the studio, by way of Cuba. Bienvenido a Paradiso. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) That was a little bit of everything. That's what they call a a misto. Misto? Misto? That's that Cuban sandwich. We're going to get to that. Uh, But first things first, how are you guys? Pretty good. Yeah? Pretty good. It's a a rainy day today in Paradise. Rainy day. Megan and I started to go to the gym in the morning. Ew. It happened twice of four days. Nothing says, it worked. I live in paradise. Like, let's go to the gym in the morning. But you got to get that beach bod ready, right? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. far Winter off. time's almost over. Okay. So tanning beds, yes or no? I have never been in an actual bed. I've been like a hall, like a, like a, Room? Like a cylinder. You stand. Oh, yeah. Stand up ones. I've done yeah. that. Have yeah. you ever been in one? Yeah. Uh, Megan took me to my first one. And I was like, oh, this is. They're scary. Weird. You smell weird it, after. And yeah. it's like, it's, it's hot. Uh-huh. And it, if it's been used like back to back to back, it yeah. gets so hot in there it's that suffocating. it feels unsafe. Yeah. yeah. And it's super like claustrophobic. Yeah. But. I couldn't lay in one. That seems gross. Yeah, I agree. Because then you're touching it. I mean, have you seen Final Destination? Three, oh, yeah. She gets trapped in there, yeah. right? And Didn't that burns. also happen? And I think I know what you also did the summer after <laughs> Before last. last year. It was like the one of the second or third ones. Something like that. Yeah. I like to call it the devil's microwave. I think if you want some sun, you should go outside. Yeah. Right? Get that but vitamin D. You can like sweat outside for two hours or you can go in a tanning booth for like... Nine minutes? Yeah. No. The cancer accelerant. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> if you think that tanning beds don't cause cancer, hit us up at the Dip Crew on Twitter. Uh, okay, so let's move forward, spirit forward, into our rum old-fashioned. Yes. Yeah, so old-fashions are traditionally made with whiskey or bourbon. Whiskey. Whiskey, uh, a twist of orange peel, sugar cube, and Angostura bitters. I have presented you all, you guys, with a rum old-fashioned because I thought that was a little bit more island-esque a little bit more cubano you know what i'm saying sure see see <laughs> so what do you think megan is nothing but disappointed with it it's i thought that spirit forward meant that there's more spirit 
than anything else. Not that it's like exclusively spirit. Mm-hmm. Like I think I I mean truly it would probably be well, but no, it's spirit forward because there's other things in it. There's bitters sugar, is like an ounce of like not even that bitters. Like, what yeah. bitters is like two a dashes. Yeah, yeah, of bitters, Angostura bitters. Because it, so it's the bitters that are used in old fashions. So it gives you that old fashioned taste in your mouth. Uh, I think when you're classy. You don't want to just sit down at the bar and be like, Can we get shots? You know, so you get something strong like this. Like an old fashioned. Like an old fashioned. And, you know, it does the trick, but you could be, you know, pinky out. Okay. More well, Call me classless. I'll take a shot. <laughs> shots. Next time we'll do shots of tequila and we'll post the recipe on our Patreon. <laughs> what do you think, Garrett? You are a drinker of whiskeys. So this is not whiskey. I don't love rum to begin with, but yeah. it is good. Uh, you, you you mixed it well. Thank you. This is our Papa's Pilar dark rum. We're moving into the darker rum territory. Papa's Pilar sponsor us. Yeah. Please sponsor us. Sponsor us, please. We love you, Papa's What's Pilar. What's it going to take? Sponsor us. What do I have I was to kidding do? about not liking rum. Hi, Papi. <laughs> okay. Uh, so today, as you can tell, uh, we're in the Cuban mood. We're going to be talking about a Florida icon. It's not only the oldest restaurant in Florida, but it's the oldest Spanish restaurant in the country. It's seasoned with history, mixed up with culture, and drizzled with dance. Ole. Ooh. You like what I did there? Yes. Do you get it? Uh, so to fully understand this world-famous culinary powerhouse, you have to go back in time. So I was thinking maybe we could start a new segment where we go back in Ooh. time. What should we call it? Lord. Back to the Florida. Back, back to the paradise. Back to the... Fior, Fjorda. That's what, yeah. I think that's more Florida, for Sweden. Florida. <laughs> Producer, do we get anything? Anything? No. no? She's uh, a lot closer today. Yeah. Hold on. I, I can do that. I can do this. Same. Back to the Fluture. Let's just make a new segment well, without a name. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll throw it out to the audience. Yeah. You guys can name the segment. Name That'll it. be fun, right? Ba- because clearly we back to Florida. Our creative juices have run dry. Anyway, moving on. So in the early 1900s, Ybor City was the cigar capital of the world and Tampa's ethnic melting pot. This is from visitflorida.com. It was known first as Mr. Ebor's City for Don Vincent Martinez Ebor, a Cuban cigar factory owner who established his cigar empire in Tampa in 1886 and never looked back. Cuban immigrants came through Ebor City or just outside of Tampa uh, to leave their island behind uh, for better things in the United States. And there were so many cigar factories in Tampa that, or in Ybor rather, that Ybor quickly overtook Cuba as the cigar capital of the world. That was a prime export. And pretty much everyone that worked there was rolling cigars. The humidity apparently is really, you need when you're rolling cigars. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've never rolled a cigar. Yeah. So, because this city is so precious to the country and has so much history, they have preserved the historic district with about 915 buildings that existed starting at its peak uh, in the early, or excuse me, late 1800s. So by 1900, Tampa became the source of the highest quality hand-rolled cigars in the entire world. It surpassed Havana, and Cuba entirely, which was unable to match the factory workers in Ybor City, who were hand-rolling 36 different shapes and sizes. Mm. So you figure you got all these factories, you got all these cigar workers, right. it's hot, 
Yeah. They're hungry, right? Right. Picture like the most densely populated little factory town. Lunchtime. What do they do? Lechon. <laughs> well, Lechon. from uh, one of our past episodes, uh-huh. I remember. Yeah. Me too. They, they eat lunch. They do eat lunch. Yeah. <laughs> the most beautiful Cubans. lunch. Cubans. Right. They need Cubans. So... They need a place to go eat. The Columbia started as like a tiny little bistro. Mm -hmm. They made Cuban sandwiches, more simple lunch foods. Uh, But that began to grow. And there's such a robust history there. Over 100 years of feeding the people of Ybor and the state of Florida and all of our visitors. So I wasn't there. I don't know the story. I mean, we weren't either. We weren't. You guys weren't there. No. So I thought we could invite on somebody that knows a little bit more about the Columbia's history, Ooh. knows a little bit more about the cuisine, can explain to us all the exciting things that the Columbia has who to offer. Was, who, who is You're going to see Garrett after the break. What? Okay, Garrett, it's time for bed. No, 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 no. Wait, wait. Can you, can, you, can you tell me a story first? All right, one story, and then it's nighty-night for you. Do you remember the one about Meggie Locks and the three cocktails? Oh my gosh, I love this one. Once upon a time, there was a little girl named Meggie Locks. She went for a walk on the beach. Pretty soon, she came upon a tiki bar. She sat down on the bar, and immediately she was served three beautiful cocktails. Meggie Locks can never resist a free drink. She tasted the first one and realized the straw was plastic. No, plastic is terrible for the environment. I can't drink this. So, she tasted the second drink. Gross. The straw's all soggy and all I taste is paper. So, she tasted the last cocktail. Mmm, this hay straw is perfect. She said happily and enjoyed the rest of her delicious margarita. Well, Garrett, what's the moral of the story? <sighs> that when you use hay straws, all natural, 100%, biodegradable, gluten-free, and never soggy straws, you're actually doing your part to help take care of our planet. They can be tossed right in the compost bin after and will break down naturally and return to the circle of life. That's right, big guy. Good night, Steph. Good night, Garrett. We can all sleep a little easier thanks to hay straws. <sighs> Visit haystraws.com to find out more. So now it's time to introduce you guys to our expert on all things Columbia, a print and digital journalist for 25 years. Jeff Houck joined the Columbia Restaurant Group in 2015 after more than a dozen years as the food editor for the Tampa Tribune. He also has edited and written for FoxSports.com, the Palm Beach Post, the Florida Times Union, the Pensacola News Journal, and the Anchorage Times. And now... Why Jeff is here. He's the marketing and public relations manager for the Columbia Restaurant Group. Welcome on, Jeff. Thank you very much. You know, the way you say it, it sounds a lot more impressive than when I type it out. 
I'm well, impressed. Yeah, I know Garrett uh, is going to want to talk to you about your Fox Sports experience, but we're going to have to control him for this one. I understand. Garrett, we'll, we'll, we'll DM each other. Okay? Sounds good. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So we have dedicated, Jeff, this entire episode to the Columbia because we love to give our listeners not only just the best places to visit and eat, but also offer up some history lessons. And I think the Columbia offers both of those things, uh, especially since you guys have been offering for over a century as Florida's oldest restaurant. So we would love to hear from you about the history of this culinary landmark. Well, that's a, that's a big item. Uh, I'll try and uh, take it piece by piece. You know, the, the bottom line about it is the, the, the history of the Columbia is the history of Florida from about 1890 on. And that also includes obviously the history of Tampa because that's where the, the restaurant was founded in Ybor City back in 1905. It actually started as the Columbia Saloon or Saloon Columbia mm -hmm. in 1903. And stop me if it gets too, de too detailed, but basically what happened was after a couple of years, uh, the partners kind of decided to move in different directions and Casimiro Hernandez Sr. Uh, who was one of the partners, basically took it over and made it into the Columbia restaurant. Uh, one of the, his his partners at the time was a man named Vicente Ibor. Oh, Sounds familiar? Because it it's Ibor City. Um, Vicente Ibor basically made Ibor City as like a company town, the way that Henry Ford did in Detroit, um, where he would, uh, you know, he basically had an idea to to build a uh, a cigar town, a cigar manufacturing town, uh, after a hurricane wiped him out in Ybor City. So he moved to, to Tampa, created this little district, and part of that was to build a brewery called the Florida Brewing Company. Oh. And, uh, and and today we would call that a tasting room. Back then it was just a saloon. You know, they didn't have fancy words like that. <laughs> right. But um, uh, the saloon became, Saloon Columbia became Columbia Restaurant, and everybody uh, started on a new path. And then bit by bit by bit, uh, at the corner of uh, North 22nd Avenue and uh, North 22nd Street and 7th Avenue in Tampa, um, the Columbia sort of began uh, sort of its march across uh, the uh, the entire block. Basically, they would kind of pair up with whoever was next door or take over that next space. And now we occupy an entire city block in uh, in Ebor City. Uh, just for the restaurant, we have 15 dining rooms and capable of seating up to 1,700 people at a time. Um, we uh, we are the largest Spanish restaurant in the world. We are now the oldest restaurant in Florida, and um, it's uh, you know it's an amazing thing to be part of a living, breathing icon because even though it's been that amount of time, there's really only about a dozen restaurants that are family owned that are older than us in America. Wow. Um, you know, it constantly, constantly improves, looks for better ingredients, better processes. Um, you know, we call it the new kitchen. We expanded our kitchen out of this very, I mean, it was like the size of a shoebox kind of place that, that we expanded in 2005. We call that our new kitchen, even uh -huh. though that's, you know, uh, 16 years old or so. It's, it's just that kind of place that thinks in 10 and 15 and 20 year increments. Mm -hmm. The best part about it to me is the fact that we are now family owned for five generations. Oh, wow. That's so and incredible. The Gonsmart, the Gonsmart family right now, fourth generation owner, his name is Richard Gonsmart. He and his brother Casey have operated the uh, the company 
since about the mid nineties. They've worked in the business since they were 12. Um, and they took it over from their parents, Caesar and uh, Adela. And before that, uh, Caesar and Adela took over from, from her father. So it's been this, this, uh, family business for that long. And I don't know about your family, but I'm not sure I could work two weeks with my family, much less. <laughs> yeah, Christmas is hard generation. enough. Yeah. <laughs> much less, much less stay current and also have that hunger to be excellent. Yep. Um, you know, there are now seven Columbia locations, uh, six of them streetside. We have one in the airport at Tampa International Airport. Oh, that I didn't was know just that. One, I didn't of, know that cool. one, of, one of the best airport restaurants in the world uh, by Daily Meal. Oh, wow. And so, you know, wherever we go, we try and bring that Tampa flavor. We have you know, restaurants in Sarasota, obviously Tampa, Clearwater, uh, Beach, St. Augustine, and Celebration. Um, but it's, you know, each one of them has their own little ambiance, but it's all based in the story of the family, the the flavors of of Spain and Cuba coming together because the family is Spanish and Cuban. Right. And, you know, you'll have like people will leave a review on Yelp saying that was the worst Colombian food. We're not Colombian. <laughs> it's just the name. Right. Or they'll say that's not Cuban food. And we're like, you're right. It's Spanish and Cuban. You know, it's a hybrid. So it's, um, you know, it's an amazing thing to be, as I said, in the middle of a living, breathing icon and yet feel it trying to get better every single day. Um, and also feel like, you know, you are there's something about working for a 115 year old restaurant to make you feel like you are the smallest of spokes in a very large wheel and you don't want to be the spoke that breaks. No you kidding. want to honor that, honor that tradition, advance that tradition and keep pushing toward the future. Yeah. And you yeah. almost get to be a part of history. Yeah. Oh, every day. You know, I, I, I really, I get chills thinking about it. I'm getting them right now. You can't see Aww. it because it's audio, but I, I walk through that restaurant and I think I can't believe I work here because when That's I was, awesome. um, when I was growing up in this area, I, I grew up in St. Pete across the Bay, oh, cool. but you know, we've lived here in Tampa again since 2002. Um, you know, my rehearsal dinner from my wedding 30 years ago was at the Columbia. That's awesome. Wow. Um, I just got the know, chills. Yeah. And, and you know, there's, there's any number of things where just as a customer, it's so intrinsically part of living here mm-hmm. that it's like, you know, it's like going over to a relative's house. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and there's so many iconic little places within that restaurant. Each dining room has, has a story, you know, the original bar from 1903 is still in the, what we call now the cafe, which was the saloon. Um, you know, the, the, the Don Quixote room has this enormous, enormous 350 piece chandelier that came from the Eden Rock Hotel in 1972 oh, and wow. was hung by was hung by a man named George Guido, who still works with us after 58 years. Wow. It's that kind of place. Yep. Um, you know, there there's nothing that says Columbia more than bigger and bolder and stronger. Um, that's our philosophy. You know, we when we try to fix a problem, our our first um, tactic is add garlic. And then if that, <laughs> that's God, I love it. If, oh if, if that doesn't, if that doesn't work, then add sangria, you know? Just, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I get it. It's just a fantastic tradition here. And, and I'm very proud to represent it and sort of spread the gospel. Awesome. So I know you said that it's kind of like a Cuban inspired Spanish or a Spanish inspired Cuban cuisine, but the name is Colombia. So what is the meaning behind that? Where'd that come from? Yeah, it causes no small amount of of confusion. Um, You know, uh, and I didn't know this until I worked here. Um, Back in the day, back in the early 1900s, the United States of America had essentially two national anthems. One was the Star Spangled Banner, 
And one was a song called Columbia Gem of the Ocean. And you can Google it. There's terrible versions of it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it had similarly patriotic um, uh, lyrics. Um, but it was this hugely patriotic song that, that people sang at, you know, 4th of July or whenever they were, they were celebrating the country. And our founder, Casimiro Hernandez Sr., um, was so proud of coming to America that he wanted to do something that represented that pride. Um, it's why there's a ship in the logo of our, our company because the Columbia was one of the ships that came to America. Oh, wow. And and um, so we're we're proud of that and that that patriotism that inspired uh, the name. You know, again, a lot of people think we're a Colombian restaurant because of the name. We kind of have to kind of say, no, we understand why you would think that. <laughs> but right. um, but it but it's always kind of inspirational when 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 we tell that story and we tell it a couple times a year. But when we tell that story and people are like, wow, that's awesome. I didn't even know about that song. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah. I didn't expect um, it to have American roots. Oh, right. And and yeah, it's a little it's, bit it's more. It's not exactly as catchy as like a Taylor Swift song or anything, but it is. <laughs> a, it is a. It is a beautiful song, and I've heard it with orchestras and and military bands and whatnot. Cool. And um, but it's it's a great little kind of tidbit to know about the the, uh, the restaurant. Yeah, for sure. When I think of the Columbia, you know, from when I first ever went there, I, I think of the Cuban sandwich. Like that's, sure. I mean, you know, I'm a simple man. The Cuban sandwich is one of my favorite <laughs> foods ever. Sure. Is it true that the Columbia created the Cuban sandwich? And what do you think makes yours so special? Uh, it's not true. Okay. Um, we we are, The name of ours is called the original Cuban sandwich. Okay. Now, um, you know, just to give you a little bit of evolution, you know, again, Spain, Cuba, America, you know, the evolution of the sandwich really, if you want to trace it all the way back, goes back to what are known as bocadillas in Spain. They're right. little tapas sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. once it got to Cuba, um, you know, the, it was really known as the mixto there. Um, you know, it's sort of like, what do they call Chinese food in China? Just food, you know. <laughs> um, but there were there was a history of sandwiches and baking in Cuba and the mixto was really literally a mixture of whatever ingredients you had. Uh, in Cuba, there was sausage on it. There was salchichon on it. Uh, there was turkey. You know, whatever you had, because it was an island, you had mm-hmm. to make the best of what you had. Right. And so then when the mixto came to America, it came through Key West. Mm-hmm. And because that's where the, 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 um, the uh, um, tobacco factories were. And then mm-hmm. there was a massive fire. Again, as I mentioned, Vicente Ybor had to move everybody north. Um, he started, you know, mango, uh, mango groves and guava groves and 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 uh, tobacco uh, factories. Um, so when it came up to to Tampa, Tampa was really an amalgam of uh, Spanish, Cuban, Italian, Germans. There were some Jews here. There were. Um, uh, some Central Americans, but very few. There were really migratory at that point. It was more Caribbean. But basically what happened was the, the sandwich morphed when it got here. Um, it had been an oblong-shaped loaf mm-hmm. back on, on Cuba. Mm-hmm. Um, it became an extended torpedo kind of looking loaf once it got here because it was easier to bake that way. Right. And also there was a worker's strike that they stretched the loaf and it was easier to ration when you cut it in slices. Oh, so wow. there's all these kinds. Of, so even the shape of the Cuban sandwich is a Tampa shape. So, you know, kind of eat that Miami. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
So, you know, when it got to Tampa, you know, it continued to evolve basically by who made it. And so instead of salchichon, you know, sausage on it, it picked up Genoa salami because of the Italians. Mm. Um, you know, the roast pork, you have the Spanish and, 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 uh, and the Cubans with the roast pork and the ham. You know, the, the, the reason that there's Swiss cheese on it is because it's more temperature stable oh. than any other kind of cheese. And also it melts really uniformly yeah, whenever you press it. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm salivating. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was not a – listen, I salivate every day and I work <laughs> the, the um, you know, when you when you press a sandwich, it makes it crispy yeah. and, you know, buttery and whatnot. And the Tampa Cuban is made with Tampa Cuban bread. Mm-hmm. And for 105 years now, we've worked with La Segunda Central Bakery here in Ybor City, family owned nice. for four generations. Aww. And and they uh, they provide us all our bread at all of our locations. Um, and that bread is crusty on the outside and crunchy and yet tender in the middle, whether yeah. you press it or not. So Miami Cuban bread is spongy and chewy, which can make for a difficult experience eating a sandwich because you tend to pull, and then the contents wow. come out, and then it's no fun. That's so true. The, the pressing of the problem. sandwich, yeah, some, sometimes, uh, you know, people don't understand this, but really the pressing of the sandwich didn't start to happen until the 50s when Miami started to actually accumulate Cuban uh, residents. But there were more Cuban residents in, in Tampa up until 1980 in the Mariel boat lift per capita than there were in Miami. Wow. Um, so, you know, the sandwich lived here, breathed here, evolved here. Um, you know, we don't put mayonnaise on it. Why? Well, back when it first started, it wasn't, it was a temperature thing. You know, that's why mustard was used instead of uh, yep. uh, mayonnaise. Makes sense. Um, that's why there's no lettuce on it. That's why there's no vegetables on it. It was right. an easy sandwich for tobacco workers to eat at their station. Right. You could hold it in your hand. It was temperature sense. It was temperature uh, stable. And, you know, it. whether you ate it at 8 in the morning or whether you ate it at noon, it was still a great sandwich. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't right. spoil. So what, the reason we call it the original Cuban sandwich is that we went back about 15 years ago. We went back and looked for our original recipe because we kept hearing, you know, it's not as good as it was. And you hear that thing and you just think, oh, people don't know what they're talking about, or maybe they have a different memory. Um, we actually assumed that they were right. And turns out they were. We had taken a whole bunch of shortcuts over two or three generations because of convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of, you know, baking our ham and glazing it and then uh, baking it again, um, you know, we had taken the shortcut of just buying ham. Um, or roasting our pork, we, you know, we, we stopped at a certain point marinating it in boho and then roasting it for several hours in an oven to make it absolutely succulent. Mm. We didn't do that either. And so we went back and reinvented the sandwich, uh, using the recipe from 1905. Wow. And, and so basically every time you eat a Cuban sandwich at the Columbia, since we reinvented it, um, I mean, we bought new equipment, we spent close to $50,000 reinventing just one sandwich. Um, since that time, you basically are by, are eating the same sandwich that somebody ate in 1905. Wow. And, you know, and th- that's so perfect that you said that because we talked about in the beginning of the, em- of the episode, going to the Columbia is almost like traveling through time. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about the different dining rooms that you have that, you know, sort of yep. have acquired different artifacts throughout the years. And even just to the sandwich itself it's just like you were there back in the early 1900s. Yeah, it is. And, you know, the, there's a little subtle thing that a lot of people miss, which is the Genoa salami that we have at 
on it has little black peppercorn. Mm. Oh, and I don't the, miss it. Don't worry, Jeff. And <laughs> and then the and and most places, and this isn't a criticism because again, it's convenience. <laughs> most places don't have the black peppercorns in it because you can't get it domestically. You have to import it, so we oh. import it. Um, but there's a little bit of peppery finish. Mm. If you think about it, you'll think about it and and remember it. But, you know, there's a little bit of a peppery finish on the back of your palate that adds a little depth of flavor. And all these things add up. Like, for instance, only putting mustard on the top half of the bread. Right. Because if you put it at the bottom, it coats your tongue. All you'll taste is mustard. If you put it at the top right. lo- uh, of the loaf, it blooms in the roof of your mouth. And it's a much more balanced experience. So much, um, so much science. In, in the, well, like you know, it's, it's a deceptively simple sandwich that is highly complex. Yeah. And when we went back through it, you know, there were all these arguments about why we shouldn't remake the sandwich in-house. You know, it cost too much, cost too much. And the bottom line was the difference between doing it the previous way and the way we did it, we, we decided to do it forevermore, is eight cents. Wow, and as and as Richard Gosmar will say, what are we talking about? Right. You know, the difference in the experience is so vastly different. And the great part about Tampa is, if, if you go anywhere, everybody already has that. They will, if you ask, where is your favorite Cuban? They'll tell you. And it's any number of places. Mm-hmm. And the best part about it is they're not wrong because <laughs> there's some sort of emotional uh, reaction that the Cuban brings out. Um, I have a buddy who swears that the best one is at a gas station on the other side of town. <laughs> right. And he's not wrong. That was his favorite time because it's associated with this great yeah. memory. Right. And and we really like to attach. We like to tell stories with our food, tell history, as you mentioned before. But also, you know, we, we like to help our guests attach emotions to the food that they're enjoying, whether it's a special event, whether it's just the first time in Tampa. Because that makes the food taste better as well. Um, so you'll you'll come to Ybor City and you'll see all our waiters. You know, you might be dressed in shorts and flip flops, but our waiters are all dressed in tuxedos. Mm-hmm. Right. And and you're surrounded by all of this extravagant decor and historic items, as you mentioned. And each dining room looks like something out of Willy Wonka goes to Spain. <laughs> and and you're just like you're immersed in this. Well. It's going to taste different than if you get a takeout. We offer a curbside takeout, but there's a difference if you had took that same sandwich and ate it at the Columbia versus eating it at home. It's a different thing. And um, and we try and do as much as we can for people who take out or cater or do that. Um, but there's something about going to the Columbia and just being swallowed whole in this immersive experience that that creates memories for people. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, and I can remember the first time that I went, uh, it was because uh, somebody recommended, they knew I was going to the Tampa area, and they're like, you have to eat at the Columbia. Whatever you do, eat at the Columbia. Uh, and right. so I was like, but, you know, I don't want Colombian food. And then I realized that it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I went, and I was just completely overwhelmed, first of all, by the expansiveness. And then, like you said, you know, you can be dressed a little bit more casually, a little bit more touristy. Maybe you're out walking around all day. But you have sure. this blast from the past with, you know, the the – 
the waiters and waitresses in tuxedos. You have the flamenco dancers in the back. I mean, it's just completely mind-blowing. And then you get to the menu, and you have all these cocktails, sangrias. You have tapas, which I'll go anywhere where there's tapas, uh, and the different <laughs> specialty entrees. So now that everyone at home is hungry and trying to figure out how they can get to the <laughs> Columbia, uh, if you were going to curate the perfect overall dining experience for someone, sure. maybe a first-timer, what would you serve them? Well, you know, it's there. this is a different time period. You know, since uh, since we ended quarantine, we were shut down for about two and a half months. Okay. Uh, we were actually shut down longer than what the state allowed because we wanted to make sure all our processes were ready. And we follow these very strict guidelines um, in terms of food handling and preparation and also guest management uh, of tables and distance and all that. We have uh, we are known for you know, a very expansive menu, like 16 pages at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're down to a much, much smaller menu as a result of it. So what that has done is boil it down. To, we had to make, it's sort of like picking your favorite children. <laughs> right. um, we had, we had to boil it down to its essence while still being very um, dynamic. So, you know, a lot of the things that didn't make it onto the, the, the streamlined menu temporarily streamlined, I should say, um, you know, we run as specials or whatnot, but I, you know, the, the greatest hits is like, it's like, listen, uh, if you take away one of the Beatles, it's not the Beatles, but it's the Beatles. You right. know? And, and, uh, so, you know, I don't think any visit can start at the Columbia. Oh, let's put it this way. An ideal visit would start with a fresh pitcher of sangria and we mix it at the table. There is nothing like seeing your food prepared in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, that went away for a while until we could guarantee that the, um, that the, it was safe to do so for our guests and there would limit exposure. But we're, we have four types of sangria, white, red, rosé, and cava, which is uh, a Spanish uh, champagne, essentially. Mm. Um, and there's something about having an entire pitcher of sangria. First of all, it could start a fight or it could uh, make friends. You, you decide. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> But the freshness of the fresh cut um, fruit mixed with the wine mixed with it's just there's so many great elements to uh, to the sangria and we're known for our sangria uh, as well as our mojitos. But most people kind of dip their toe with the uh, with the sangria. Um, if you're not a sangria person or a wine person, we have a a, a peach Manhattan uh, cocktail. Mm. Um, we have a Columbia Hall of Fame because we've had so many outstanding uh, employees 115 years. And a bartender named Pete Scaglione uh, created this um, this recipe for the Manhattan. Uh, Pete was such a uh, an unbelievable uh, bartender. He once kicked out Babe Ruth for not behaving. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, he got wow. he threw him out. He Babe Ruth got out of hand, and then the next day Babe Ruth came back. And apologized and gave him a signed baseball bat and pizza. All right, um, <laughs> that settles it. But anyway, it's got it's got bourbon, vermouth, a little bit of ramazzotti amaro. It's served on the rocks. It's a great cocktail. So I would start with that. Now, if you've been to the Columbia, you know every meal starts with a fresh baked piece of La Segunda Cuban bread yep. and whipped butter. Oh. Um, the fun trivia is that. Bread is our number one expense over at the Columbia. More than facilities, electric, personnel, insurance, anything. Get out. Wow. The num- and the number five expense is whipped butter. Wow. wow. So, um, you know, so bread is it. very much, 
and, and oh yeah, absolutely. People who are like on carb free diets are like, this is worth it. I'll I'll yes. eat the bread. Cheat day. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, for and then you know we have a, a range of uh, tapas dishes, and so I would suggest for the most Tampa uh, tapas, you would go with an Ybor City Devil Crab Croquette. Mm, yep. Or uh, or a uh, a cup or, or bowl of Spanish bean soup. Um, the two stories there are devil crab croquettes. If you don't know, um, Tampa Bay used to be full of blue crab. It still has a, a great population, but it was full of blue crab back in the day. It was the thing that kept people during the depression from going, you know, starving. Oh, wow. Um, but basically what happened was, you know, if you lived in Ybor city, you had a house that had a nail on the outside that stuck out from the house and the person delivering the bread would come up and go thump, and put the bread on the outside of your house. That was your bread delivery. It like would hang newspaper. outside uh-huh. like a newspaper, except it would just hang there. <laughs> somebody asked me one time, like, why didn't people steal bread? I'm like, because everybody had a nail, you know? <laughs> right. um, so anyway, you would eat the bread, blah, blah, blah. But what you didn't eat, you would you would scrape it down into crumbs. And then you would make this blue, you would pick out the blue crab from the whatever crab you harvested and pu- put it in a lump with some tomato sauce and green peppers and other stuff. And wrap it in breadcrumbs and fry it so that you would eat it like a croquette with a little bit of, of hot sauce. Uh-huh. Um, so we still have Ybor City Devil Crab Croquettes. Everybody makes their own version, much like much like the the, the Cuban. Um, you know, Italians use Italian spices, Spaniards use Spanish spices, um, but the Spanish bean soup. The Colombia was known first for its Spanish bean soup because. Every restaurant in Ybor City to survive basically came into this informal agreement that um, they would serve a different soup each day. So everybody got a little bit of business. Uh, the Spanish bean soup became sort of a trademark for the Colombia because it has, you know, just great um, chorizo sausage and smoked ham in it. Oh, that sounds and, so good. You know, we start we start with fresh garbanzo beans and we have potatoes and you know the broth is made with chicken and ham and it's just so unbelievably hearty. So. Again, a little bit of time travel, but those two for for tapas. Um, if it was for lunch, I would say obviously the Cuban sandwich, which we talked about, mm-hmm. and then uh, for dinner, I would recommend the it's called paella a la valenciana, and we're known for the Spanish side of our menu. Uh, if you if it were would be, uh, you know, that's sort of the king of the paellas for us, where you have clams and mussels and shrimp and scallops and calamari and mm-hmm. chicken and pork. And on the menu, it says, please allow 30 minutes because we start from scratch, you know, and you go back in the kitchen, you go back in the kitchen and it looks like an army of paella pans just hanging there waiting (laughs) for use. Uh And, um, and it's really, you know, and then once, uh, we're, once it's finished, we bring it out table side and plate it in front of you. Um, that makes it a little bit more exciting, but it's just so much flavor and it, it tastes like you've hit like the, the seafood and chicken and pork lottery. There's just so much great flavor. Um, and then for dessert, white chocolate bread pudding. And, and like I said, we like our bread. And so whatever we don't, whatever we don't serve, it is a sandwich or as a side or with, you know, other, uh, other menu items and whatever we don't grind down into breadcrumbs. We take that day old white, uh, that day old Cuban bread and we make bread pudding with it. Um, we do it a little different where we use white chocolate. Um, we use a little bit of milk, a little bit of eggs for a custardy, um, kind of texture. We bake it and then we top it with a Bacardi rum sauce and white chocolate. Oh my and, gosh. Um, 
I just have two words, child, please. <laughs> Snap your fingers. I, I went, people who've never eaten at the Columbia, I drop it on them, and it's like the hammer of Thor has hit them. They go speechless. <laughs> they are defenseless. It's game over. You know, it's just the – and we do flan, and we do key lime pie, and they're both outstanding. Um, we do Spanish churros, but the white chocolate mm. bread pudding is, is very, very special. Yeah, I'm going to need that. Um, and then you have to wash it down with Catholic leche. Ooh, oh yes, yeah. that's how you get. That's how you tamp it all down. You know, help help the and then digestion. On your second visit, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for breakfast, you know, yeah, leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we do. We again, I should mention that we have one of the largest private collections of Spanish wines in the world. Oh. And you know, this started you know a long time ago, but in the in the '90s, especially Richard Gonsmart realized that Spanish wines weren't really considered with the same elevation as, say, French or. You know, uh, you know, anywhere other in Europe, German wines. So he bought and bought and bought and bought cultivated relationships with Spanish wineries. He even honeymooned uh, back in the 70s at the Torres Winery in Spain. And um, so he bought and bought back when they weren't regarded. And now they're some of the finest wines in the world. And he has the most amazing collection. Um, he just has an eye for this. We have a, a Sicilian restaurant we just opened in November here in Ybor City, right by the Columbia. Oh. And he is nothing but Sicilian wines on that list because right now, Sicilian wines aren't well regarded, even though they're wonderful flavor and they can match up with anything in the world. Um, so we have, what we're aiming for is to have the largest uh, Sicilian wine collection. Um, you know, I joke about it, but there is no line for the Godsmart family between decor, music, food and service it's it's all part and art you throw mm. those in there all in one thing and you just do not see the lines between them it's all part of that same that same dining experience yeah and you know you never want to leave i mean if you think about the thoughtfulness that goes into the you know from the beginning of the meal the second you sit down till the second you walk out of the building uh and even i know megan has some uh questions about how you can bring the Columbia home with you, but you could spend sure. an entire evening, multiple hours, even just enjoying everything that the Columbia has to offer. And we do, we, we hope that you do. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, um, it, it gives you a sense that, that you're home. I mean, that, that was the thing before I was ever even an employee here. It just seemed like I said, like you were going to somebody's home and just happened to be a very fancy home and, <laughs> And everything was cooked to perfection. The service was luxurious. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's it's an overwhelming thing sometimes because you walk in and you're like, how do I absorb something of this magnitude? Mm -hmm. um, but bottom line is, is that it, it rewards you no matter where you sit in a restaurant, no matter how many times you come, you always see something new or have a different experience. It rewards your, your eyeball. It, it's like you see a new detail and um, you feel like you're, even though in your, you're in a familiar place, there's always something new that you've not picked up on or not noticed. Um, right. you know, if you've been in the patio at the Ybor city restaurant, you know, the thing that looks sort of like an open air courtyard, even though we have a roof over it. Um, I didn't know until last year that the floor in the, in the patio came from a bank that went under in downtown Tampa during the depression. Oh, wow. Wow. And, and, um, and that the, we have a host stand right behind, or the the waiter, uh, the server stand right behind it was one of the bank teller windows. Oh my gosh! Um, you know, and you can sit there with Richard Gonsmart every day, and you'll find out something. You'll you'll hear about the table where Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio had a little bit of a tiff during their visit back in the 30s and 40s. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just an amazing place that's just full of stories everywhere you look. I mean, the more we talk about it, the more excited I am to dine at the Columbia. But I know, I know <laughs> <laughs> not all of our listeners have access to one of your restaurants. Sure, and I sure. know, you know, the experience is so much a part of it, but how could they bring some of these flavors from the Columbia home? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, you know, first of all, each Columbia uh, restaurant has a little gift area. We have a huge gift shop in, uh, in Ybor City. But we also, you know, we also have an online store at ColumbiaRestaurant.com that you can buy cookbooks. We have two cookbooks. Um, you know, the original Spanish cookbook is, is considered a culinary icon in Florida, uh, written by uh, Adela Gonsmart and uh, oh, Adela Hernandez Gonsmart. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Adela Hernandez Gonsmart and uh, Ferdy Pacheco wrote the first one. And then the, for the 100th anniversary, we, we wrote a new one that tells the full story. Um, I read the, fir- the second one three times in the first four months because I was like, I can't believe this restaurant put all that story in there. Um, but you know, as far as the flavors, you know, we, uh, we do sell some of our dressing. We do sell our dressing, our 1905 salad dressing in, uh, in stores in Publix and other places, um, as well as selling them online. You know, the, the, the cool thing to me, cause I do the social media for the Columbia, um, is seeing people make the 1905 at home mm. because of quarantine or COVID. Right. Yes. And, and you know, what that tells me is that there's still a hunger for our flavors oh, yeah. and they still love our restaurant enough to want to go to the trouble of making it at home. Um, we actually, you don't have to buy the cookbook. We have many of our recipes at our website, again, ColumbiaRestaurant.com. And people can't believe like we give away the rest. And we're like, we want you to enjoy it wherever yeah. you are. Of you course, know? of course. I, um, I, and- per- I personally have some 1905 dressing from Publix in my fridge <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. God bless you. Yeah, you know, and it, it's, um, you know, it, it, what I love, uh, first of all, I have to heartily recommend, and I don't care where I work. I could work for, you know, the utilities department. The Columbia seasoning is the most versatile mm. seasoning Ooh. I've ever used. I put it on eggs. Ooh. I put it on salads. I put it on everything. I use it. I make a, a mojo pork at home, yeah. and then I, cut, I I put seasoning all over it, and then I put it in my smoker. And oh. a, another one, child, please. <laughs> um, it's, just, it's just so versatile. But that's, again, we use Columbia seasoning on all of our recipes here. So, again, that's another small thing. You don't have to really... You, you know, we, we love it when people order our, you know, our hand-painted Spanish ceramics and things like that. But, you know, there's something about being able to enjoy, like, I got lots and lots of, <laughs> of, uh, of uh, social media posts this week from people who were up north, especially. Yeah, trapped 20 below. <laughs> it's 20 below. And thank God for my packet of sangria mix and my 1905 dressing. I can feel like I'm there. Um, again, it's not the substitute, but it's such a, um, a lovely uh, homage and such right. a, a great reminder that, that people, I've never worked for a brand that was beloved before this. I worked in newspapers for 25 years and I, I, I didn't generate um, this. The family did over five generations. So we want to protect that right. and use it wisely and honor that that passion that people have for the Columbia. You know, um, I have a video I'm going to post tomorrow of what looks to be a very small child who's got a brand new set of front teeth, and he is going after a piece of Cuban bread like a beaver. <laughs> and and there is something about growing up with that flavor and that experience. I mean, 
the the piece of bread is bigger than his head and he will not be stopped. Um, but that's the kind of experience people love. You know, it's like babies first this, babies first that. It's part of the Tampa ritual. When was your first piece of Cuban bread? Well, we have photos. Now, of course, in the internet age, we have thousands of photos. But, right. um, you know, the, the thing about it is you can make these flavors at home. Mm-hmm. And whether it's recipes on our site or ordering from the store or following the, the directions, you can have a little bit of the Columbia at home. Right. Right. Exactly. And I, I wanted to touch on kind of where where the Columbia is located. You know, I mean, with it being so close to Tampa, a really, really fun, really great city, really huge. Uh, Ebor can definitely be overlooked um, in, you know, in Florida. Why do you why do you think, you know, travelers should should visit? Well, you know, we're we're sort of um, we're in uh, we're in the city of Tampa. It's sort of its own little enclave. Uh, you know, Ybor City came from being its own city to being sort of swallowed up by the city. Right. We're about a uh, literally a ten minute drive from the heart of downtown, mm-hmm. a little bit northeast. Um, you know, there's all there's a couple neighborhoods between us, uh, but you know, there's a streetcar line that runs. From Ybor City, um, a streetcar trolley that runs all the way into downtown that. Uh, that I highly recommend. Um, you know, there's something about about Tampa, um, and, and specifically that I think is a bit of a blind spot for people because Miami is so glitzy and glamorous, right? And because Orlando has all of uh, all of the, the tourist attractions that it does. Um, you know, Tampa was um, really much of a more prominent place back when the railroads were, were around. Uh, they're still around, but the end of the railroad, Henry Plants Railroad, stopped in Tampa. And things got put on boats and sent to Cuba, and things from Cuba came up and got on railroads to go to the rest of the, of the country here. Um, all of the cattle for a period of time that, that went to Cuba and all the sugar cane that came from it came through Tampa at one point. Um, and then as the dynamics of migration change and whatnot, you know, um, that, that, uh, changed the view as well. But, you know, when, when cigar production started to leave, uh, in the 1930s, um, you know, <clears throat> that originally was the reason for, for Ybor city to exist. And when those jobs left, the people left and it went through some very, very hard decades. There was a period of time when, you know, urban renewal was the big word and we're going to knock down all these old buildings and put up these glass structures and, right. Boy, what a, what a terrible loss that was. Um, you know, the Columbia sort of survived. When you think about it, the Columbia survived the first Spanish flu, uh, World War One, World War II, Prohibition, the Depression, urban renewal, and we're still here. So that, you know, when something like uh, um, a pandemic happens, all we have to do is look at the example of previous generations to figure mm-hmm. out how we got through it. Um, you know, Ybor City, to me, is the heart of Tampa. Um, it is still a very, it's still a neighborhood. Um, there are businesses here, there's industry here, there are homes here. If you've not been to Ybor City, then you don't know about the, um, the wild chickens that run through the streets. That's right. Yeah. They're protected. And they are, they are literally legacy chickens that are protected by law. You can't mess with them. Um, they are, they're, uh, you know, basically descendants from the earliest pioneers and, you know, back in the day, you were rich if you had a cow in the front yard and chickens in the pen. And so some of them got out, and got around. Well, now they're just legions and they are spectacularly beautiful. They are incredibly loud. <laughs> um, 
you know, but they are they are as much a part of Ybor City as the bricks in the street. There's no separating the two. Um, you walk into Ybor and there are, you know, there are certainly, you know, bars and restaurants. But if you walk off the main street off of 7th Avenue and you get away from sort of the main drag, you will find the most charming casitas, uh, you know, houses mm-hmm. and and, um, you know, you'll see how people really live in this neighborhood. Um, it is still admittedly on its way back up. Right. But right now we're in this sort of renaissance of Ebor that hasn't been seen, I would say, at least since the 40s. And, um, you know, that's, people are excited to be here. Uh, oddly, technology companies and, and, uh, and education companies are starting to take over the former um, cigar factories, these three-story cigar factories uh, that are sort of dotted throughout the neighborhood. They're taking them over, refurbishing them, and turning them into into workspaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's there's some new uh, real estate developers that are trying to to make uh, a new uh, a new section of Ebor City, even as we speak. But it's just a real place. It's not an artificially designed neighborhood. It is um, it is about as real as as the real gets here. Um, you know, my great grandfather used to come. He had uh, he came from Italy. He had a hotel and motel on St. Pete Beach, and he would come over every Sunday to the Italian Club on 7th Avenue, back when the Gandhi Bridge across Tampa Bay was only two lanes. Uh-huh. And uh, and I work four blocks away from that. I just happened to work four blocks away from where my great-grandfather was back in the 40s and 50s. Super so, cool. you know, I think about that, and, and there's something about having those, those deep, deep, deep uh, family roots here that um, you, you can't help but um, but feel it here. Um, there's a brand new hotel, a boutique hotel called Hotel Haya okay. that, uh, o- that opened up earlier, uh, earlier this year, formally late last year. But, um, the, uh, the, 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 bo- you know, there's, there's no reason for the boutique hotel. There's no beach. There's no, um, resort. There's no golf club. It is literally a hotel that that is um, that gets its main attraction from being in Ebor City and being in, immersed in that history and adding to the story of it. So, um, you know, great times um, are, are ahead, and uh, and we've already had great times here for the past ten to fifteen years. Um, we look forward to building on those. Sure. Yeah, and I, I know that our listeners are going to be wanting to know a little bit more about how they can stay connected with the Columbia after this episode. So sure. why don't you tell us where people can find you on social media? Well, you know, obviously, ColumbiaRestaurant.com has all the uh, history and all the menus and location and information like that. And if anybody wants to make a reservation, um, you know, we're on uh, we're on all the social media channels. We're uh, you could even find us on on TikTok. Um, what? Wow! But, Are you dancing, yeah, Jeff? I know. Yeah. I know. I'm following you right now. I know. Oh, no, no. You know, we, you know, it's 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 exciting because you know, if you go outside the Columbia in Ebor City, um, you'll find an electric vehicle charging station, right. and that's because our fourth generation owner uh, had a Tesla. And he thought, well, this is the future. And and just because we're 115 years old doesn't mean we shouldn't do things in a modern way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on Twitter, again, it's Columbia1905. On Instagram, it's Columbia Restaurant. It's uh, it, We're pr- pretty easy to find. We're, we're pretty active. Um, and again, my favorite thing is to kind of um, 
socialize with folks and 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 number one let them know that we, we see them and we hear them and we love how much they love the columbia because we love it too um we're always posting new things and new menus and and new additions to our uh to our wine collections new cocktails um but we also have you know sister restaurants ulele goody goody Casa Santo Stefano, Chacha Coconuts, and then also another one at the at the airport, Capital Nightje, Ybor City. Ooh. And you know we've grown to fourteen restaurants total. Seven of those are Colombia's, and um, and we're excited about what the future holds. Gosh, and so are we. I know everyone is hungry at this point. And Jeff, you have been absolutely <laughs> incredible. Thank you yes. for taking us through oh, the history. You. Oh my gosh, yeah. And now we need to get uh, something to eat. So let's make our reservations, Garrett, oh, to yeah. the Columbia. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Uh, we, thank you. I, I don't know. We I don't know. We don't have. We only have fifteen dining rooms in Ebor, so we'll <laughs> yeah, right. and eboard. Yeah, and seventeen hundred seats. But who's counting? Yeah. yeah. You guys come see us, and we'll 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 sit you right in the front of the flamenco dancing. And, yes. And, We'll love give it. you the full experience. I love that. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Jeff, for coming on, and we'll talk to you again. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me, guys. So, wow. Okay. First of all, I'm starving. <laughs> I am so hungry. I'm very, very right? hungry. The producer has been listening. The I know. The poor, poor producer. Yeah. And she's also very hungry. <laughs> so, I, I will speak admittedly, I, I've been to the Columbia probably three times before, uh, but I have not had the Cuban sandwich. What? I know because I feel like no. it's so I didn't realize the history that went into yeah, the Cuban I know. You and know? the money like I always think oh you can get a Cuban like he said at any freaking gas station Publix. or whatever Publix right uh, so I didn't realize the the thought and the process that was went into making yeah. the Cuban at the Columbia so I'll have to try that next time damn good but uh, yeah absolutely same I mm-hmm. haven't had the Cuban I think I had a steak Mm-hmm. But everything is delicious, and I get. It. I mean, it's a huge, huge restaurant. Yeah, and like I, I like like they have like such like a stylistic like they have little like like sangria. Right, it almost doesn't seem real. Yeah. yeah, it's literally like frozen in time. You you wouldn't believe it, but you've got to go. You got to go. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning into Just a Podcast in Paradise. We're so happy that you hung out with us today. We would love it if you would subscribe so you don't miss an episode and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to work hard to make your next Florida vacation the most memorable and the most delicious trip that you've ever had. You can also follow us on Instagram at Just Take a Dip for daily updates on what's happening around Florida and check out our YouTube channel, Just a Day in Paradise for destination ideas, restaurant reviews, unboxing things you might want to take on your next trip, and copycat recipes from some of our favorite places in paradise. We're wishing you a little bit of sunshine wherever you are, and we hope to see you in paradise soon. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're hungry. Whoever wants oh to my sponsor gosh. us, sponsor us. Sponsor, sponsor our sandwiches. Sponsor everything. <laughs> <laughs> bam, bam, bam.